Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello, you're listening to The Legacy Tapes. I'm Rebecca Atkinson-Lord, and this is a series of conversations exploring how to leave something lasting in the ephemeral medium of theatre. And I'm here talking to John McGrath, the brilliant artistic director at Manchester International Festival. Uh, Before that, he was artistic director at National Theatre of Wales. And before that, he was at Contact in Manchester, where he came up with all sorts of innovations around youth governance and, and brilliant world-changing things and so I, the, the thing that I thought would be a good thing to talk about was kind of the time at NTW and starting something that feels like it needs a legacy mm. was that the most incredibly pressured thing ever to to have in your on your shoulders well I think it's really interesting frame for this conversation isn't it between the, the sort of ephemeral nature of theatre mm. and the legacy of an organisation yeah. And in a way, I think it's the ephemeral nature of theatre that saves us in these situations. (laughs) Because what we're used to is just making something happen. And if it isn't right, we'll give it another go. We'll do better next time. With any luck, some better forgotten it. Exactly. (laughs) So coming into something like setting up a national theatre, in a way you come with that theatrical energy of let's just, let's just do it. Let's just make things happen. But again, I think particularly with something as uh, as weighty a name as a national mm. theatre, you are aware of all that other stuff. So you're, you're balancing those two yeah. energies. And I think that for me, one of the important decisions with NTW was that we should try and not get caught up in first show um, energy and first show judgment. Mm-hmm. And so we needed to think about an opening statement that addressed... The, that set the company in place in a way that made sense. And so the the initial programme for National Theatre of Wales was announced as a year-long programme, 12 shows in 12 months. We actually did 13 in the end, um, sure. each in a different place <laughs> in Wales and each using a different approach to mm-hmm. theatre-making. And that set out a stall in a way that allowed maybe the idea to be bigger than any of the individual parts. Although, of course, our 13th show, Passion, with Michael Sheen, ended up being so big um, that in some ways it came to stand for everything. But the, I think that the, the basic thought that we needed to, to place this in, in the country in a way that would continue to, to make sense beyond any of the individual shows was an important part of that. Um, and in some ways, that programme of work came to define the company and what it was, perhaps more than we'd expected. I'd initially thought maybe in the second year we'll focus on touring work, but actually by the end of that year it became apparent that actually the question wasn't, oh, what model shall we use next, but what do we do next with this model? Okay. And so that feels like you were, you were shooting... Like the idea of legacy and the idea of kind of a sustained, deeper meaning was part of the, the very, very start. That was that that was the first thing you were thinking about. I think because of that name and because yeah. of that status and because of of that sense that this isn't what shall we do, 
but what shall we do for this bigger and as part of this bigger idea? For this um, nation. Yeah, for this yeah. nation. Now, I never thought I'd run something called a national theatre. I am a dyed-in-the-wall internationalist. Yeah. And, um, but when I was offered the opportunity, I, I, it, it was a time, early 2000, well, um, 2008 when I was offered it, well, the idea of nation, as it does today in um, Europe in particular, and what that meant, felt very politically significant. Whatever, even if you didn't place yourself with any in a conventional relationship, yeah. to that it felt very significant. Um, so uh, I, I was also very interested in in how do we even. Um, explore what that word means through what this theatre becomes and really early on came up with I think a, a paradigm that became and continues to be very significant which is that I, I suggested talking to people and thinking about things that maybe and, and simplifying things as you do and as we do in <laughs> yeah. theatre to have something to hold on to um, that maybe there were three different ways to think about nation for a national theatre mm-hmm. one would be perhaps the the most uh, conservative, the most old school would be to think of it through through history. You know, what's the canon? How do we get the canon onto stage? What does it say about the history of this nation, etc.? Another one that maybe might be more um, expected in a in a contemporary sense would be to think through a prism of identity. Mm-hmm. You know, what does this thing, this this nation, this Welshness mean? Yeah. You know, so far more contemporary in its concerns uh, and fo- yet focused on the question of identity. And yet both of those seem to potentially be very excluding in their energy. Both also uh, relied really on a dynamic of the being others that were not of this identity or not of this history. Um, And it it felt that there was a third possibility in there and one that was intrinsically theatrical and that was to think of nation through place (laughs) and to ask the question, what is it to be in this place? And the the people then, the you know, yeah. the, for whom nation becomes relevant, become the people who are in this mm-hmm. place. And I, I, I've subsequently, I, I sometimes you know um, use the example of the Scottish referendum, where everybody who lived in Scotland, whether they were a recent Polish immigrant mm-hmm. or uh, you know, um, person of Pakistani heritage in Glasgow, or someone who could trace their heritage back through hundreds of years, everybody got to vote. Mm. What, what is it to be in this place, and what do we want this place to be? And people who lived elsewhere, whatever their heritage might be, didn't get to yeah. vote in that a referendum. And I think, in, in a strange way, we were doing an equivalent um, thing with with the paradigm for National Theatre Welsh, which was to ask theatrically what is it to be in this place when you ask that question theatrically you don't just ask it or maybe you don't even predominantly ask it in terms of the the national accumulation that you get in a a referendum you ask it in a series of specifics Mm -hmm. and so again our our initial year of work our theatre map of Wales as we became came to call it became 13 Mm -hmm. specifics which also became each ways of answering the bigger question or asking the bigger question as well so that that question of a place um, became very important and very defining as a way to address this question of nation um, in a way that felt dynamic and open and also in a way that felt so appropriate to what theatre does which is gather a group of people together uniquely in a moment and say 
what are we in this theatre, yeah. in this space together? Who are we here and now? Who are we here and now? Here and now together is sometimes yeah. how I've, I've phrased it. Yeah. Um, and that's, I mean, that's a really, it's a beautiful way to think about things. And quite stealthily political, that sense of anyone that's here now is us. Yeah. Um, and that's, uh, for, for the benefit of the recording, we're talking on the Monday after the European referendum result. Um, and that's quite an unusual way of thinking about nationhood, yeah. actually, in terms of the, the cultural mainstream. So how is it different here at Manchester? Is there a different, there must be a different pressure and a different set of concerns and a different ideology around what the thing yeah. will be. I mean, I've um, had, with those three main projects, in a way, Contact, mm. National Theatre Wales and Manchester International Festival, come in to very different circumstances in each, in each case. So Contact was an organisation with a long history, but that was, had gone into a hiatus, you know, closed down during a building project, mm. and a, pro- a project had needed completely reimagining. Mm. Um, and we reimagined that through really focus on uh, focusing on the question of what would it be to put young people and emerging artists at the heart mm. of a theatre organisation in a way that back then in 1999 just wasn't happening. And even now is deep is is still a deeply political, yeah. innovative choice. And I think the great thing thinking about legacy. Um, the great thing coming back to Manchester is that yes, content's been on many journeys in the intervening years mm. and there's change and developers it absolutely should. I, I'd be horrified to come back and find it exactly yeah. the same. And yet those core principles have only mm. grown um, and continue to, to mm. define the work and, and the ways in which young people and young artists are, are part of deciding what happens in that organisation continue to feel radical. Mm. Um, with National Theatre Wales, the opportunity was to start something completely from scratch. So there was maybe decades, if not centuries, of, of discussion and debate, <laughs> but no thing. Yeah. So that was a, a very open field to be in. And in Manchester International Festival, the fascinating thing is to, is to step into something that is incredibly successful mm. and go, well, actually, you know, what, what, how do we value everything that's really great about this thing while also going on a journey? Yeah. Because that's, that's our job is to continue on a journey, not to tick along. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and that's been fascinating for me to, um, to explore with staff, board, local people, people who feel included, people who don't feel included, what's great about this, what do we hold on to, what is its core identity, um, and also what journey can we take it on, what what are the aspirations for it that are um, the potential for the future. So that's interesting because one of the things that I was going to ask in terms of legacy was how you balance um, or how you prioritise innovation versus stability Um, and could you talk a bit? It sounds like those things sort of have to be moshed up together, but would you talk about Yeah, and, and, you know, I think that, you know, if, if you see a dichotomy, um, question it is, is, mm. is probably <laughs> one good thing, one good approach. So if the dichotomy feels like it's between stability and, um, what was the other word that you used? I used innovation. Innovation, then, you know, what, what, then dig into that. You know, sometimes people used to use the phrase, oh, it's not revolution, it's evolution, isn't it? Which usually usually heralds into absolutely nothing changing. (laughs) Um, So for me, it's about getting into the 
to the DNA, I guess, mm-hmm. saying what what is this thing? What what's what's unique and most valuable about what we have here? That's the legacy, isn't it? That yeah. what's the DNA, and then how do we use that that DNA to create the unexpected? So dig into the heart and out of that, create mm-hmm. the unexpected. Um, respond in in new ways, um, and that that's that's the the journey that I'm on with the mm-hmm. festival. I think in, there's also in, in terms of leadership, um, there can be sometimes a pressure, I guess, people coming into organisations, um, first of all, to say all the things they're supposed to say, you know, so happy to be taking on this world leading yeah. organisation, <laughs> and then a few months after that to go, and now for a whole new start. And, <laughs> um, and I'm not a big fan of that kind of, you know, sort of, egotistical in a way I think often that that isn't an egotistical coming from within the person but something that's almost pushed upon them you know how are you going to make your mark etc I'm not a big fan of that so for me I'm very happy with the festival to say you know going into the next festival it's going to be 18 days of wonderful new work as it's been in the past Mm -hmm. and that's my main message and and I think that's what people want to hear Um, but then within that, the question becomes, well, what is that wonderful work and who does it reach and who makes it and how can we widen that and, as I say, continue to, to use that, that DNA that's all about being questioning and being ambitious mm-hmm. and get it to take us to a new chapter and a new stage. So the, that's, that's, I guess, my relationship to legacy in this case actually is is finding out, well, what is the true legacy or what is this, you know, these um, uh, core elements of yeah, this festival and how do we go on a journey with them? Great. And what? so I, I think one of my questions was going to be, what do you think your legacy has been and what do you hope it will be here? And then probably going way into the future, uh, at the end of your time, any, on earth what would you like to have left changed right. um, well starting with the, the shorter term <laughs> I mean, it's very interesting for me to come back to Manchester mm. and, and that's an unexpected and delightful bit of the journey because of course I, I sort of meet myself coming yeah. around now and you know come to a city working on a very high profile very outward facing project but still with um, a very strong connection to something like contact that was you know much more uh, underground and street level in its in, in its reputations mm-hmm. and impacts um, and one glorious thing over I hope the next you know couple of festivals will be to see you know artists who I started on that journey with back in 1999, coming through to be you know, people who are in and making work in this festival. Um, and so so it is an opportunity to, to be in touch with Legacy in that way. But I, I think that, for me, often the most uh, joyful things have been when people have reappeared on the journey, that, you know, you were able to have some um, impact or supportive relationship along the way, and then they, they yeah. reappear in, in new guises. Something that, that Contact put very 
well, actually, the contact put very deep in me, I was going to say, but actually it was there before because of the way that I was treated before, was the importance of informal networks of mentoring and support in the development of, of artists, particularly in this, in this um, slightly, sometimes rickety world of, of theatre. Yeah. Um, and I, I was very lucky when, when I was 25, I, I got to go and study in New York mm. And ended up staying there for the best part of a decade. And the reason that I stayed there is, to me, that's sort of where I found my artistic family. And it was in downtown New York at a time when there were brilliant things still going on, but there were also, you know, actually it was a daily struggle to survive. Um, And what amazed and delighted me always was the kind of cross-generational support that went on and the ways in which you would get adopted by mad theatre companies and in some ways, you know, abused to work for free (laughs) on projects, but also given extraordinary uh, artistic guidance. And so that, to me, you know, contact in a way was almost a, a kind of mini New York. And people would often, whenever people would walk in there from New York, they'd go, wow, this, this feels like home and the the but it was about creating an informal environment not always a structured environment yeah. within which those kinds of crossovers and support would happen whether they were you know across age levels or just experience levels there was loads of peer support that happened at contact and then at NTW it became very important to me after that first year actually one of the most important um, next steps was the work that we started to build in behind that around artist development. We had a big um, residency program across Wales called Wales Lab, which was more for emerging artists who weren't necessarily going to be produced by NTW at that point, but they were developing their work in the same context. Yeah, planting the seeds for the things. That yeah, you know. planting the seeds in the right sort of of, of ground as well so rather than creating a studio program it was a, a lab that could take place you know beaches up yeah. mountains in village halls etc um and and here uh, um MIF, I think that it is you know, really important now to be thinking what is the impact of this festival on the, the life and creativity of the city and the many layers of that um and the artists who live work here um, I've used one little phrase recently is that I'd love to, to uh, that our goal in Manchester should be to be a net importer of artists and a net exporter of art so that mm-hmm. more and more people are coming here because it's a great and supportive environment in which to, to make work and that a lot of those support networks will be lateral they're yeah. not all institutions mm-hmm. you know setting programs in place they're about how people communicate with each other support each other the networks that are in place and how we seed those without trying to dominate them um and then how that work starts to support and grow and spread itself around the world and and i think that the festival will always be a, a kind of you know a bit of the bit of the iceberg that's above water yeah. with that you know the the there will be work and artists coming through that absolutely have their position on world stages um, and yet are also absolutely often from this place. And I would hope, you know, not only emergent artists, but also, you know, artists who who are um, at very confident points, increasingly thinking of Manchester as a place where they can either be based or at least make a substantial amount of their work. Um, I think the in terms of those kind of horizontal networks that you're talking about, the stuff of the, you know, the bits of the iceberg that are under the water, um, I think it's amazing how, how much of an impact even the tiniest connections within that 
can make. Yeah. You did a really important thing that you are totally unaware of um, in shaping how I am an artistic director. Um, in that I, I came and saw you when you first came to um, NTW and you insisted on paying for my train ticket. Mm. And no one else had ever done that. Mm. Um, and it actually made... That week, it made a bit of a difference. I was really pleased about it. And then that meant that when I when I went to become, you know, when I was an artistic director myself, I was kind of supporting artists. Yeah. That that sense that nothing, no no engagement with me should ever cost yeah. them emotionally or financially, yeah. really really shaped how I how I thought about what what I did and how we operated as an organisation. And that was just a tiny yeah. little. Thing. I think those little things are, are so important, and it and it's sort of getting the principles of them in, in place in a way so as they become kind of second nature and they become organisational second nature as well. And, mm. and I think those are difficult shifts for organisations to make, a, 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 even you know, with a, a, an organisation like Contact that we were starting, or re, almost restarting from scratch after the hiatus. There's the still things now that seem self-evident there about, say, how young people, you know, no jobs are ever appointed there without young people yeah. having a, a inter- running interview panel. And that, that sort of really uh, intrinsic there now. But at the time, when we started doing it, there were so many nerves around it. On a completely different way, um, when we started the digital network at NTW, the online social network, mm-hmm. the idea that anybody could post anything and that it wasn't... Um, it, it, was, it, it Yeah, it wasn't curated and it wasn't... It was just really difficult for a lot of people to get their heads around, to the extent that a whole bunch of people posted on that didn't believe it was true. They thought that we were signing off on everything. And we never, I think in all the years of that network, once we, we've asked, once or twice, we've asked people to either put their real name, which is one of the rules of the network, of, um, or to take something down because you can't post something that's... Uh, you know, negative about someone if you're not willing to say who yes. it is doing it. Yeah, you, you have the courage of your conviction. Exactly, exactly. But beyond, other than that, it's been completely open. Uh, after a year, we opened it up so any independent company could post their own show as an event. And the, so there's some curation in the sense that certain things get highlighted, mm-hmm. but completely open network in there. And another example for me of, of that kind of thing that became very important, again, you stumble across these things, is that I realised over the years at, at NTW that one of the, I really wanted to, to help the independent scene emerge and it had been really quite in, in um, Cardiff after after years, I think in the 70s, 80s, maybe even early 90s, when it had been quite vibrant, but it had gotten really quiet. And it's, you know, things like Wales Lab really helped with that, and the fact that we were just shining a light on on the country, um, although most of our work wasn't in Cardiff at NTW, but how could we really push that across the nation, but inevitably, like any fringe scene, particularly in, in, the, in the bigger city. Um, and I realised that this, one of the single best things that, that we could, do was to just go and see the stuff that was on and it would be great for us because we might find an artist um but actually just turning up was the most extraordinary thing they had a dialogue and if you're scrabbling together to do a fringe show for next to nothing you know you're not doing it because you're expecting to make money you're doing it because you're trying to start to make your mark and if someone from your national theater comes along de facto 
de facto, actually, it was worth it. And that sounds kind of arrogant on my side. But actually, then all those artists, they got seen, and that's what it was all about. And so... Just being heard, you know. Yeah, and so so we developed a a policy um, called the go-see policy, which was that if you let us know more than a couple of weeks in advance that you had something on, someone from the company would, would come to see it. And, um, you know, obviously, you know, the scene could extend to a point where that became difficult. And as it grew, we had to pull in more people uh, who were part of the team who were looking, but you, you build those structures. And certainly for me, I'd still try and, you know, a couple of nights a week, get out and see stuff that, you know, was on the fringe or in development. And, um, yeah, it was probably one of the, the most important things that we could do in, in terms of of helping to make that independent scene happen. And I guess that I guess that was a reciprocal legacy, right? Because that creates a legacy within the scene of 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 a sense of dialogue with this with the National Theatre, but also yeah. it's gonna change you and yeah, yeah. in terms of hearing what what the discourse is. Well you don't do I mean none of the you know, there's no unselfish act, you know, yeah. that that every encounter is an opportunity for you to grow mm-hmm. uh, and experience new things. Um, and so maintaining that that sense of sort of hopeful generosity that you you think well I'm going to keep trying to do these things and and it will benefit it will and of course it benefited the company in terms of how it's seen and how it's talked about mm. within the country and they um, love it yeah love yeah company. yeah so and, and it's those little things that make that difference. Mm. And of course, yes, you've got to do fantastic shows and every now and then have like a really big hit and all of that good stuff. But you can't just have that and still have and, and still have that, that sense of, of buy-in and mm. organic connection. Okay, so there's a third bit of this question that you have. When you die and they lay yeah, you to rest. Yeah, which is, what do we, you know, what's on your tombstone? <laughs> um, I, I suspect that when I die, the, the, uh, the, the li- lifelong... Um, experience of, of being confused with the real John McGrath of 784 will just, uh, just be permanently embedded in some weird mashed up Google profile yeah. that will uh, be a life of 120 years and very, two very different but linked um, in some ways still quite linked approaches to, to theatre making there'll be a very Manchester element of the story because of this um, in a way unexpected uh, return um, and I think the the ways in which art and artists happen in Manchester will be a big part of my story. Um, but hopefully that will always be seen as a, a thing that, that links internationally. Um, I suspect I, I've earned that I will be called founding artistic director of National Theatre Wales, so, so that will be a nice thing to have in there. I hope that um, that whatever end-of-life event happens, you know, uh, that, that, there'll be, that it will be a, a raucous, multi-generational and very culturally diverse event. Right. Um, and that that would represent the audiences and artists that hopefully I've been part of um, supporting, working with, being supported by over the years. Um, and uh, it would be theatrical in the most cross art form of ways. Right. Wow. That's. I mean, that's a pretty awesome. So good sending off. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just 
just imagining that, it's almost worth dying. Um, almost. <laughs> if you could just be around and <laughs> yeah, party, exactly. that's the problem. Exactly. Um, so, I'm you're talking to you, it's interesting because you, I'm aware that you have uh, quite a deeply ethical strand to how you think about what theatre and the arts are, um, uh, without being necessarily shouty crackers about it. That's just, that's just the bedrock of a lot of how you talk about um, work. How, why? Why do you do this? And B, do you think theatre or the arts changes the world in a tangible way or can? And I feel like somehow those are interlinked as questions. I think theatre and the arts invents the world. You know, creates it. I, I think that you know that the idea that there's some world over there, mm. and that those of us in the arts are, are, are sort of off in a corner commenting on it. Mm. You know, it, it completely bewilders me. I, I, you know, I, I do come from that viewpoint that believes that everybody has culture because that what makes us human. Mm-hmm. And but there's a continual negotiation and struggle and. Um, investigation and uh, invention as to what that will be mm-hmm. and uh, the, there are ways in which the world locks it down and things become commodified um, and commodification can be immensely attractive and appealing it's all about you know pushing certain buttons and you know chemicals yeah. in our in our heads and bodies mm-hmm. and go oh, yes I need more of that mm-hmm. Um, and so those who really dedicate themselves to, to, to the what of culture, to how it's going to be, you know, who we might call artists, are the ones that question that commodification, those sort of autopilot versions of mm. culture that somehow come into our lives and settle there in an in a overly uh, determined way and shake it up and keep shaking it up and that shaking up is not always comfortable to everybody mm-hmm. but you know like any social shaking up as well it, it means that you know the, the, the structures of who's got what change and so yeah. it's often it often can be most uh exhilarating for those who have least in the sense that you know the the change brings in the possibility of 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 um of a different uh, a different balance of opportunities and resources. So for me that that's what we do as as artists or as people for whom making art is 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 central to our day to day is that we're the the shakers of the of the culture but the culture is always there and somebody else might intervene in it just for a day and do something radical and extraordinary yeah. and we need to be um, alert and alive to that as mm-hmm. well. In terms of the ethics of that, ethics in the um, the widest and least judgmental sense of mm-hmm. the world, again, is this incredibly exciting way that we're human, that we, that we actually don't just care where we get our next meal from, but we care where other people get their mm-hmm. next meal from, and that actually is this this very human drive to to um, engage with other people in a way that isn't purely selfish. And that's not something that we should do, and the 
ethical people tell us we should do. That's something that's very curiously present in us. Mm. Um, and then again, you know, the way that, that the world um, structures itself and the other sides of us, the survival sides, come in to, to limit that. And so mm. we have this struggle between those two things all of the time. And so to me, that, that question of, of what is an, an ethics sits very close to that question of, of what is culture. You know, yeah. again, they're in that, that space that make humanity and the, the, um, the experience of being human actually interesting and exciting. Mm. They're not these slightly dreary things that we're trying to impose on, mm. on the, the, the more enjoyable bits of life. They're the bits that actually make it exciting and enjoyable and the, the impositions of the structures that, that limit that. So in that sense, for me, our, our ethics sit very comfortably together. But in all of them sit comfortably together, we've got to think about ethics in a completely different way to how, to, to how that word gets, mm-hmm. gets boxed. It's absolutely all about how do we reopen up the excitement of our encounter with others, not how do we set a bunch of rules. So the the kind of ethics that I'm interested in are, are never about we should do this or we should do that or this person should do this or this person should do that. That's why I'm still quite a f- um, free speech or in, in the States yeah. a First Amendment kind of purist, actually. Yeah. You know, what, what's not to be said if we can provide the right space to say it in? Mm-hmm. Um, if it's... There may be questions about what those spaces are, but our job as as artists is to create spaces in which anything can happen, so as we can try things out, and that, and then we get into a both cultural and ethical uh, potential, an exhilarating potential, um, because of what can happen. Because it's only really when anything anything can be said and considered that you can be sure that that the consensus is an educated right correct one or even that we can feel our way in through it and into it actually i think it's not even that um you know considered an end oriented yeah it's like you know we have to be in this so as we can know why does it why does it exist in there and and then i think what what the question is well what in this is liberating Mm. and freeing and knocks away those uh conventionalizing structures and what actually um reiterates them and um and solidifies them and and i i i believe when you ask those questions certain things like you know dogmatic racism etc actually become very limiting for you they become those stretches you go oh those are things that by being there stop things happening mm. not things that free things up but you've almost got to allow the spaces to try that out to figure it out to to figure it out Mm. yeah to to figure it out very experientially very existentially in a way interesting um i like i like this vision of the world this complex vision of the world full of complex humans sort of managing the the battling of the aspects of their own nature that's maybe battling is too aggressive a word but that Grappling, let's Rattling. say. yeah. That's great. It's a nice way to think about the world. Um, uh, I'm going to be really simplistic for the last, my last thing, because I feel like I've taken up quite a lot of your time now. Um, if, you could, if you could know that one thing would be changed, and you can, you can change, it can be in the arts, it can be in uh, the wider world, it can be in 
um, the you know any category you choose in a single person's mind, anything. If you if you could leave one thing changed with a magic wand, what would it be? Who gets to be creative? The hardest lives are probably the ones in which all time, all energy gets filled, gets taken by things that are not yours to determine. And so when space begins to open up for you to be able to explore, play, invent, that's when life starts to open up. And and I would love there to be a situation where no life didn't have that space. And that when that space does open up, it's, it's, it's not locked down and taken over immediately by a, a, a sort of rampant consumerist extraction, mm-hmm. you know, a, a rampant system that goes, oh, this is what we're going to, we're going to use that time to suck into this, into this market. Mm-hmm. Um, so that would be the, the, one, the one thing that I'd like to see. Yeah, I'm on board with that. I hope you get it. I <laughs> <laughs> hope we all do. Yeah. Thank you so much. For it's a pleasure. It's been a pleasure. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Mm. 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 Mm